0: hello and welcome to the union podcast i'm here with my husband brian my name's bonnie hello and uh, we're glad that you are here to join us today if you are new to our podcast or to who we are as a ministry we really exist to help people find wholeness in the areas of sexuality and relationships and identity uh, with a gospel-centered holistic approach and if you are a return listener we're glad to have you back and. Uh, if you find this content useful, helpful, uh, thought-provoking, uh, we would ask invite you to you know subscribe, follow us, leave us a review or a rating. Those kind of things help the algorithm get this message in front of more people. And that's really, we feel like right now, the people of God are desperate for um, truth and grace around matters of sexuality. And so we're doing our best uh, to bring messages and you help us by sharing; that just means the world to us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we this is episode seventy-four already. We're moving along. Mm-hmm. We're gonna hit episode one hundred before you know it. <laughs> before you know it, my math is sort of me. If, right if we're going the right with direction, with numbers, yeah. Yeah, um, but last time we had a great conversation with Joanna Hyatt, um, and uh, we talked about how in in that last episode seventy-three, which I'd encourage everybody to go and check out. So this is a great conversation. We we have been having a focus on abortion and being pro life people, supporting women, supporting children, um, not not letting go of either of those in order to be anti abortion or pro or mm-hmm. opposed to abortion. You don't need to be anti women's rights or anti women or anti children mm-hmm. uh, in order to do that, which I think is kind of within the whole pro life name. Yeah. But anyways, it was a great conversation and encourage you to go back and listen. What really stood out to you, Bonnie, out of that conversation?
0: Um, you know what I found is something that doesn't get talked about a lot was the emotional and psychological impact uh, on men and how, yeah. how fathers have been silenced in this issue. And we've kind of spread this message like, men, the best way you can support the women is to be quiet. But in but that's actually not helping. And actually in society, we're seeing the the sorrow and destruction from fatherlessness. And Mm -hmm. so for men who maybe stayed quiet or even though they tried their best, their child was still aborted, just how much pain there can be for them. Absolutely. And so I felt like that was uh, yeah, that was a takeaway for me from the conversation. Totally. What about you?
1: Yeah, I would say the same. Like, I think in a lot of ways, um, men have kind of been. Just like you just said, like we've been told we have nothing to say on this matter because it's not your body mm-hmm. when scientifically uh, it's not your body either, Mrs. You know what I mean? Like, right. mom, it's not your body either. This is this is another human being yeah. that is growing within your body. Yeah. Um, but it it's, you know, and even how Joanna Hyatt just highlighted the fact, too, that like this isn't even this is the combination of dna this isn't just the the mother's dna this is the father's and the mother's dna and that this this is a person this is a um a growing um you know growing human that Mm -hmm. is developing within Mm -hmm. within obviously yes the mother's body yeah but it it is still a an entity a person separate from the mother and And, and so like, I think this, this isn't just like a a woman's issue. This is, this is a human issue. Yeah. And I think, and I think what really women need, um, on the front end of Mm -hmm. pregnancy as well as the back end of pregnancy Mm -hmm. is men to be protectors, men to be strong, to speak up and do what's right instead of what's easy. Totally. Because so many, like, I'm sure there's, there's countless numbers of stories of women who felt pressured into having an abortion. Yeah. Because a man wasn't doing what was right. Yeah. And there was boundaries that were, were crossed. There was, there was things that happened. There was relationship dynamics that and boundaries, again, like I said, that were crossed that led to this. Mm-hmm. And so, so women feel, feel hopeless or they feel like they don't have any other option. Mm-hmm. Instead, of men, instead of men standing up and being a protector yeah. and saying, no, we're going to do what's right. Yeah. And we're going to protect you. We're going to honor you. Mm-hmm. And we're going to walk with you. Through this process, you know?
0: Yeah. Oh, I think we, you know, we said in our, even in our intro or what we are about is like sexuality, relationships, identity. It's like, what? You didn't say anything about abortion, but we just really do see the connection in this um, because uh, as much as modern society wants to separate sex from procreation, it is like it's a very, like it's intricately connected
1: 100 percent.
0: and when we try to eliminate responsibility from the freedom or pleasure of sex i think we that's where we get into a lot of trouble and so it's almost like sex is this powerful weighty thing and the weighty responsibility that can that can come does not always come nor am i saying it must come every time but it can come um it's like those things are, it's meant to hold it in balance. Like this is a natural consequence. And so Mm -hmm. I like what you're saying there that this isn't about, and and this is why this is really a deep rooted issue about like, what are we going to do with our sexuality? And what does it mean to be a man? And what does it mean to be a woman? And do I need to, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, because it, the reason why we would talk about a subject like this is because it's not separate from human identity.
0: That's right.
1: Right. Like, cause what does it mean to be a human? Because a lot of the argument for abortion is, well, it's not, it's not a por- it's not a person that could be self-sustaining. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, I know 30 year olds that are not self-sustaining. You right. know what I mean? I don't feel self-sustaining at times. So like, what does it mean? That, that, that means that my life would be at risk, at risk, you know, and, and I go, so this is what it means to be human. This is all about identity. This is all about the design, mm-hmm. the intricate and unique specific design that God has uh, for humanity and us being Canadians, obviously, like we hear a lot of about um, abortion law and everything within the United States. Obviously this past year with the um, Roe v. Wade being turned over and, and that gets a lot of airtime, but we don't as Canadians, we don't talk about it a whole lot, but yeah. like we realize what's heartbreaking is we don't have any laws around yeah. abortion in Canada.
0: It's almost like an ignored, an ignored reality.
1: Right. Well, it's, and it's also in like, in the name of progressive, pro- progressivism and freedom, like, mm-hmm. Hey, like we're going to,
0: you decide you do. Yeah. You.
1: you have, you have, you have all the freedom to mm-hmm. do what you want with your body. And, mm-hmm. and it's a choice. I go like, yes, it's a choice, but all criminal acts are a choice. Mm -hmm. All, all actions are a choice. Yeah, You know what I mean? So we have to come into a place where we're looking at things, not just, um, from a political standpoint, but from a moral morality standpoint and ethics and ethics. And like, is this right? Yeah. Not just, is this in line with my political view? Yeah. Is this, is this right? And so, and, and, Again, part of the reason why we wanted to give airtime to this topic was recently in Canada in early February, um, in a, in a hospital in Montreal, there was a 38 week old baby that was aborted. Um, from what I've seen online, there was no, no major problems with the mom. There was no issues. It was just 38 weeks old. Don't want to have this child anymore. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to be pregnant. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows the circumstances? Unfortunately, not all the information is is out there and I don't, I don't know all the information, but still, this is a 38 week old baby boy who, who kind of, um, some people kind of just named Daniel, mm-hmm. um, Dave and there's that, the honor of a name. Yeah. And, and there's a hashtag, hashtag baby Daniel that I think has start really started to get traction. At least I hope bringing awareness to this, but mm-hmm. you know, this is a 38 week baby, Mm -hmm. 38 week human that without, without some sort of freak scenario within the medical uh, industry or within, within medicine would have no problem sustaining itself outside of the machine. without machine. Like, like even Joanna highlighted last conversation, like as early as 21 weeks, you can see that babies can, can sustain themselves and, and with maybe minor help can Uh, Well, lots of help at 21 weeks, I guess, but like, yeah, but there's, there's really no excuse Mm -hmm. in like, what, what was it? It's strictly convenience. Yeah. You know, this, this is inconvenient to have a child, to have a pregnancy. Um, But it's, it just raised so much heartache in me um, for our, for our own country, for for women who feel like this is the only hope for them, for, Mm -hmm. for people, for children, for our future generation. so this is why we wanted uh, to talk about this. Um, And so I kind of want to lay, as we kind of jump into it here, I want to lay a foundation for why Orthodox Christianity has always been pro life and pro pro humanity in the sense, because uh, humanity bears the image of God, contrary to other Uh, Other elements of creation, all other created things don't bear the image of God. Humanity, according to the scriptures, is the one thing that bears God's image.
0: So almost like like our own children bear our image. People all the time are saying like, wow, they look so much like you, Brian. Like the father to the son is putting an image. But you could, like you're a woodworker, you could create things. And so you are like your creative nature is being put into items you're being a creator but it's only your children that are actually bearing your image
1: right and and it says like clearly that God put his spirit within man you know right so there's something intricate that separates humanity from all other creation and so this is this is why and and so when we talk about the value of human life like um the early early church and kind of again historical Christianity has coined the Latin term "Imago Dei" that like we bear the image of God. That's what it means in Latin, and so there's a uniqueness to human life that that kind of stands alone um, and stands outside of all other creation. It stands. Um, like it stands exclusive, um, from all other creation. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that there isn't value within animals and that animals don't have a certain place. And even Proverbs talks about like a righteous person, righteous man taking care of their animals. Like that's, that's a righteous thing to do. Um, and stewardship within creation and everything like that, that's really important. But humanity stands separate, stands unique, um, a tear up from all of their creation. And this is, this is just really important. And, you know, I've been really reading this book. Um, I've been reading a few books, but like something that I've just been gently kind of trying to take in because it's just so powerful. There's so much um, principles and truth that are just in this book, but it's a book uh, called love thy body by Nancy Piercy. And she highlights this, this thought or this perspective that's prevalent within society today that was actually originally kind of coined and noticed by a guy named Francis Schaeffer, who was a Christian apologist. So he wrote a book called Escape from Reason. And within this book, he kind of highlights this two-tiered approach that that he noticed was going on within society where the objective truth was the lower tier, but the subjective truth was the higher tier. So it's like, yes, this, this lower portion, yeah, that's the basement level, but we can move beyond that to a subjective realm of thinking. And so even because there's so much science coming out that's showing, no, this, this is, this is a human life. This isn't just a fetus. You know what I mean? This is a human life. Mm-hmm. And even like the Latin word for fetus means small one or baby, if you translate it any other way, totally. but it's like the argument like, Oh, this isn't, this is just cells. This is just tissue. This is all this stuff. It's like, well, no, it, it isn't science is showing that it is not just tissue. Now we don't use the term human, we use the term person, right? So is this, is this a human body? Is this a human life form? Well, no, no, no. Is it a person? So it's, it's moving beyond this objective um, way of thinking and saying, well, but is it really sustainable? Does it have its really own identity? Does it have it its conscious? own- Is it conscious, right? So is, is mm-hmm. this a person? And this is, this is the debate that, that is going on right now. And so we have to ask the question, well, what is a person? So are we moving beyond the body then? So the body isn't really who you are. Well, this sounds again like Gnosticism as it's been flowing through our culture again, it, within the transgenderism conversation that your, your body really isn't uh, defining in who you are and your identity, that you get to shape your own identity. And, and again, she, Nancy Piercy uh, highlights that within her book again, that like that the whole argument is that uh, you get to shape yourself how you want to be. You don't have to be defined by your body that's that's the lower level we get to move to the second tier and be the subjective have a subjective reality where we get to decide who we are for ourselves and so in the same way we've done that within culture where we said well yes it is human body but is it a person and what does that mean to be a person are we not And and this this is why I say this. This is connected back to our design in the image of God. Is that God being triune? We as humans are triune: body, soul, and spirit. So your body uh, is not just something you're tolerating. It is part of who you are. It's not just an aspect of who you are or a secondary level of who you are. It is one hundred percent who you are.
0: And so, if a person or if a human is not so human. Then we can not feel so guilty by eliminating them. Yes. And so then the question starts to be do I want to care for this tissue and bring it to? Humanity two yeah. personhood
1: yeah you're 100 percent right like I, I think we've seen this th- throughout history as well like we saw this in World War II with justification of the genocide of the Jews because they weren't seen as human they were seen as you know they're closer to animals than they are real human beings and we saw this within slavery that slaves being brought over um, from Africa or from You know Caribbean uh, nations and places—they were seen as only seventy percent human, and so therefore they were able to be sold for animals and trade for animals or or whatever. Like Mm -hmm. they were—if you can dehumanize something, then you can justify its extinction, right? So this this is why this line of thought is actually very dangerous because it takes the objective realities of human existence and puts them in the hands um, of the individual instead of having some ethical moral boundaries that are clearly established now we say well is that good for you is that your truth is that is that mm-hmm. how you, do you feel like that's best for you instead of saying no what is what is best for this being
0: and so then law is eradicated and the oppressor can come above yes because they just decided and they happened to be the stronger one so they decided and i know that christ like i know for sure that christians or like christian history or people who s- said they were standing in the name of christianity get a bad rap for being oppressive but this is a human problem this isn't a religious problem this is like 100%. we see the ebbs and flows of the oppressor all over the world, all throughout history. It's not to just the white male. I no. just want to say that. like, This is the sinful nature within humanity that makes excuses for their selfishness and tries to wipe away their own guilt. So, So we're talking about this right now in a logical, like, based on reason and ethics. And this topic could be, I mean, if you're somebody who has experienced an abortion, mm-hmm. maybe you chose it, And you don't regret it. Maybe you chose it and you do regret it. Maybe you feel like it was forced upon you. I know that this topic could be ripping at your heart right now. For sure. And we are, I mean, I hope you've hopefully you've been around our us enough to know that our heart like our desire is not to cause further shame or further pain, but also we have to speak up for truth for the sake of the next woman, for the sake of the next child. Um and as we continue in this conversation, we are gonna highlight truly the restorative work of Jesus um, to to put back together something that feels shattered yeah. beyond repair. Totally. So if we were to now bridge this conversation back to, you know, looking at scripture, looking at Old Testament, New Testament, um, something that we really felt like we wanted to highlight. Um, is a theme in the Bible. We haven't talked about it a lot on this podcast, but it's the theme of uh, what happens when innocent blood is shed in a nation or mm-hmm. in a land. And uh, maybe that phrase even sounds strange, innocent blood. Uh, we see it as early in scripture as uh, Genesis, when we see the murder um, between Cain and Abel, where then God comes and says, to Cain, like, where's your brother? Yeah. And, and Cain's like, what, am I my brother's keeper? That's that famous line. And God says, your brother's blood is calling out to me from the ground. And it's like, well, that's strange. Like, wouldn't literally be creating a sound, but it's almost like this, like God saw the injustice of Abel didn't actually do anything wrong and he is faced, he faced death Not for any of his own mistakes, but because of Cain's selfishness, it was innocent blood. Yeah, and it's a theme that we see um, continued throughout Scripture. Uh, We see it in um, as the Israelites were coming into the Promised Land. Then God instituted something called the cities of refuge, and this was seven cities established in the area or in that land of Canaan. And it was this is what it was for in the case where somebody murders accidentally so sorry that wouldn't be murder kills accidentally (laughs) by definition that's not murder so say i'm trying to think of an example but say like two guys are out working in a field
1: chopping wood
0: chopping wood the axe head slips off hits the other guy in the head the guy is knocked out and he dies now what could happen because there wasn't a police force in Israel it was actually the responsibility and job of the community around to like investigate and say hey what's going on here and if the if the the slain man's family was like suspicious that this was foul play then they could come and and like kind of avenge their yeah. their dead relative but if that man who was just like, I was just chopping wood. I never meant for this to happen. Yeah, this is
1: my buddy and I love this guy. I, I love this oh, guy. I feel
0: horrible that this happened. Then he could actually run to one of these seven cities of refuge and be safe there because, and no one could kill him. And the whole, like when you read the description of it, the reason they, God instituted these cities was to prevent the shedding of innocent blood. Because mm-hmm. that man who accidentally killed his friend was innocent and he was not worthy of the justice of like the capital punishment or something like that so it's like this whole system where god is like i do not want innocent blood polluting the land in the in the soil
1: and we also see this too like the pharisees would have been aware of this like when they give money to judas for betraying jesus and he tries to bring it back to them this is why they don't accept it. This is why they're like, we we're not going to touch this. This can, we're, let's get this out of our, get this out of the temple, get this yeah. away from us as fast as we can. Let's buy a field with it and let's pretend like it never happened. Right, is because they know that that's blood money. They knew that Jesus was innocent. They knew that they could not, they could not be be connected to that money. And so this is something that's carried through mm-hmm. all through the the Bible, the power of innocent blood being shed, the power of unjust. Um, unjust blood being shed.
0: That's right. And when we look in the Old Testament, so the people of Israel were coming in um, into the promised land and God is laying out the laws and requirements. Um, In some ways, we could be like, wow, God, you're really strict. You have a lot of rules. But in other, you could also say thanks for being so clear about your expectations, because at that time, false God systems were actually seen as very like Um, unpredictable and like you never know how you're gonna make them happy and god's like hey just so you know these are my laws like do these things worship this way don't worship this way that's my expectation of you does that sound good and they the people are like yeah for sure we'll we'll obey you this way so a large like A large emphasis that you see not only in Exodus and Leviticus, but repeated in Numbers and Deuteronomy. And then later, even in the prophets was this call to um, to sexual morality and to the treasuring or the valuing of the next generation. Um, And so I don't know. Do you want to maybe talk about that in Leviticus 18?
1: Yeah. So the, the story behind me coming across this like was just so crazy because. I remember reading Leviticus, I think we were doing like a year in the Bible, like and I was I was going through the Leviticus portion, and you read Leviticus eighteen and it's all these laws around sexual morality. Like it is it is unholy, um, it is abomination for a man to lay with a man. It's the abomination with the like all the the list goes on.
0: With your relatives and then, or with this or Yeah, yeah. totally.
1: Like, God's setting some framework of like what is holy sexuality, what is unholy sexuality. Like he's just Mm -hmm. setting the guidelines. Right. And then you get to verse, you get to verse 21 and it seems like somebody forgot what they were talking about for a second. And it says, and you shall not allow your offspring to pass through the fire of Molech. And then it goes back to like talking about like, don't lay with this. And this is not holy to lay with this or to have sexual sexuality with um sexual experience with this down this avenue right and it's just like it blew me away that right in the middle of this laws around sexuality there was a warning and instruction to not to not sacrifice your children on the altar of a false god which again this is why we have to be talking about if we're going to talk about sexual morality sexual design sexual integrity you have to talk about the value of human life um because you like like, I think, I think Joanna mentioned it, that it was, I think it was John Paul, Pope John Paul's, but kind of made that connection. Like we know that Jim, Jim Anderson, a friend of ours mentioned it as well, but like that abortion is the end of the conveyor belt in a culture that is sexually saturated. That is that worships sexuality. Yeah. And, and so this is why God puts that right in there, mm-hmm. um, is to say like, no, you're not going to worship these other gods through, through human sacrifice. And you're also going to, va- you're going to value human life and worship me, mm-hmm. but also worship me through governing your, your sexual desires. Right. And so this is why it's hundred percent connected.
0: And so we see, um, yeah, so we see these false God systems. Um, if you're familiar with the old Testament, you see the names, Baal, Asherah, Molech, um, they were worshiped with sexual experience Kind of the thought like when you hit the climax of your sexual experience, you are actually uniting also with these false gods um, and it was honoring to them and it would kind of, it would be like this promise of fertility over your land uh, would come through the activating of your own sexuality. In the New Testament, we see the similar patterns with, you know, the temple to Diana or Artemis and um Diana you could, you know Greek and Roman gods and goddesses it was it was it was still worshiped the same way mm-hmm. and unfortunately the Israelites did not um they did not go into the land and and obey God where God said like don't tolerate those ways and I actually want you to drive out those people groups like this land actually belongs to you now mm-hmm. and those like those nations it's not it's not like God was just like um racist like oh, i don't really like their skin color right. or their music style or their how they prepare their food it's like these people are committing moral and ethical crimes particularly against their own children mm-hmm. and they're sacrificing them and i like their sin has now piled up to the point where they are not turning back and now i am as, i'm saying people yeah. of israel Drive them from the land, destroy totally. them, and we don't just nowadays. I just need, need to make it clear this isn't me saying like we have to take take the land by force and drive out the people who disagree with us. Now the battle is actually in the mind, like it's mm-hmm. in the how people think and how, um, yeah, in the I think it's in the laws and it's, it's still in the ethics.
1: But yeah, well, and and we understand that we are living under a different covenantal time as well. That's that right. we are in a covenant of grace right now and where the that previous covenant was a law essentially of, of sin and death yeah if you did not uphold God's law. Yeah. Um so so that's important to remember because yeah. because God has always been a defender. Right. A defender of the innocent. He calls himself a father to the fatherless. Yeah. And and so as a father would protect his children and and a righteous judge mm-hmm. and a righteous king would avenge the innocent. Um, the innocent this is what was happening. It's, yeah. it's not like the Canaanite people were just loving, loving God and just yeah. loving each other and serving each other. And it was this u- utopian place. Yeah. The things that were going on within the Canaanite culture were abominable and dist- they would destroy, they were destructive to the image of God. Yeah, that's right. And so, um, so this is God defending and avenging, um, those who rejected his mercy rejected his his design and and so it's it's god being a defender it's yeah, not god just being
0: a righteous judge
1: yeah exactly
0: and and this is where it's important to realize that these false gods were not just like not just stone not just wood but actually were demonically inspired systems yes and and we see that i'm going to read this portion of scripture out of psalms 106 and which may be shocking to you. You maybe you have read it before and you were like, I don't really know what to do with that. Um, but we're gonna talk a little bit about how this is connected to the spiritual realm, that the shedding of innocent blood, um, like our spiritual enemy, Satan and his hordes, they are we may be, we maybe didn't know the impact of innocent blood on a land, but the enemy does know. Yeah. And so he is luring people into um into this place. So, um Psalm 136 or 106 verse 34. We'll start there. It says they did not destroy the people. This is going through like the history of Israel. They did not destroy the peoples as the Lord had commanded them. But the Israelites, they mingled with the nations, learned their practices, served their idols, which became a snare to them. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and their daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with the blood. Thus, they became unclean in their practices, and they played the harlot in their deeds. That's strong. That's like, Mm -hmm. that's Psalms? What? That's supposed to be a song you sing together? (laughs) Um, And if you want, there's a cross-reference there. I have just in my notes, it's to Deuteronomy 32, 32 verse 17. You see it repeated. Um, again, where it specifically links, um, this innocent blood being shed kind of to that demonic spirit. Yeah. So it's something that is hard to talk about. This whole thing is hard to talk yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. you know, This isn't easy listening. Hence we why we've kind
1: of tripped over our words a few times. It's I like, know. this is, <laughs> this is hard, to, it's hard. It's hard to ne- navigate into.
0: Yeah. It's heavy stuff. Um, but here's, I had heard rumor. That maybe like when I was a kid, I'd heard rumor that on Halloween night that there was satanic practices where babies were taken and offered as sacrifices. Um, And I always thought that was horrific and terrifying to Mm -hmm. think about. Um, Our twin boys were actually born on October 31st. And I will never forget the feeling one of our, they were born at 38 weeks. Um, and, uh, I remember the feeling one of our sons had some, just some struggles at the very beginning with his oxygen levels. And so he spent his first night in the NICU, um, bounced back. Great. But so that first night we, Brian and I went to go visit him, um, before going to sleep for the night and walking out of the NICU back into our normal room. There was a security guard, like they were born at like 4.30 in the afternoon. So this is now maybe like 6.30, 7.00, 8.00, I don't know. But there's a security guard there in like guarding the elevators. And, and I heard them saying, yeah, like the doors will be locked tonight. And I, it was so raw and real to me. Yeah. Like why do hospitals know that they need to guard on Halloween night? And I know that it's not just October 31st no. where these practices take place. But for some reason, the satanic rituals include the shedding of innocent blood. They know yeah. that that a dark power is released in the land with that corrupt practice.
1: Mm-hmm. And pow- like life, is in the blood. Life and power is in the blood. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. So then we have to ask the question: If the blood of the innocent cries out to the Lord, then what does the sound of a hundred thousand? Innocent babies being killed every year in Canada, what would that sound like to the Lord? hmm and can we you know as a church, as a people of God, without pointing a finger or getting angry or filled with hatred for anyone, how can we just bring awareness and say i think I think we need reformation yeah, I think we need to think about sexuality different, I think we need to think about um parenthood different yeah
1: yeah 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 and so we understand like this is not easy to talk about it's not easy to talk about and we've talked about this before we I feel like we talk about this all the time and it's never Mm -hmm. easy to talk about but we also understand that it might be really difficult to talk about because this is speaking directly to your scenario right that maybe you've you have had an abortion. Mm-hmm. And like Bonnie said, maybe you don't feel anything about it. You think it was just another trip to the doctor. Right. Um, and, and I think to me that even speaks to the heartbreaking realities that we've told women to be hard hearted and to, to forsake, um, their design in order to, in order to have quote unquote freedom
0: to survive in some ways.
1: Yeah. But Also, you might be hearing this, and it's unearthing a lot of heartbreaking realities of a season in your life where you did have an abortion, where you did—maybe maybe maybe you were manipulated, maybe you were pressured, all this different stuff. There's so many different reasons. But the good news of the gospel is that God gave his son. God gave his son for the brokenness of humanity. God caused him, like 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, caused him who knew no sin. The most innocent God caused his son who knew no sin to become a sin offering for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. The reality is we all come to the cross with our own shame, with our own guilt. My sin is no better or no worse than your sin. My sin, even though I was never involved with someone having an abortion, my sin equally put Jesus on the cross. And but the good news is is that sufficient work that Jesus did is enough to forgive you, to heal you, and to give you a future That's where right. where your your history is separated from your heart. Yeah. Where you're not connected back to that that pose- that decision that you made that season of your life, you can experience mercy. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Right. And God is merciful. Yeah. But he he does not let the guilty go unpunished, and this is the paradox of the Old Testament. So it's like God, how are you going to not let the guilty go unpunished, but also be slow to anger and abounding steadfast love and merciful? And all this is because He decided to put the sin of humanity onto His Son. Mm -hmm. He He let the curse of sin fall onto His Son, so He could let the blessing of righteousness come onto those who would believe. So we would encourage you turn to Christ today. If you're dealing with shame, you're dealing with guilt, you're dealing with, with anything in your life that is keeping you from him today, you need to know that God's eyes to you are merciful. Yeah, He is loving. He is calling to you, inviting you into this righteousness and this forgiveness, this fresh start that he has in Jesus. And so as we close here, we would love to hear from you. Um, if if you've made that decision today, please reach out to us. You know, you can email us at, info at the union movement.com. We would love uh to 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 hear from you, hear your story, mm-hmm. and uh and help you in your next steps in following Jesus and try to help you get connected with a life-giving church and a biblical yeah. focused church, gospel centered church, and and to really see you walk into all that God has for you. And I'm just gonna close in prayer and uh this will be the end of the episode. Father, I thank you. God, that you loved humanity so much in all of its brokenness and all of its rebellion towards you. You loved us so much that you gave your only son. You lived the life that we should have lived. You died the death that we deserved so we could have the gift that we could never buy in forgiveness and a fresh start. And Lord, we pray that the good news of Jesus would spread throughout Canada, America, the nations of the earth, and God, this horrible injustice. Um, against the innocent life, against innocent life, um, would be stopped, and that restoration would take place, even on the front end. And the the reasons why women get abortion, God, that we would pray a transformation in our culture, yes, that the, the women wouldn't feel trapped in this decision or trapped that this is the only way to um, to deal with the circumstance in their life. That righteousness and justice, God, would fill our land uh, for the flourishing of humanity, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the Union Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at podcast at the Union Movement.com. For more information, please visit our website, theunionmovement.com, or find us on Facebook and Instagram at the Union Movement.